0: This is episode 55 Money Awakening with Salome Samuel. Welcome to Human at Heart. I'm your host, Sophia. I'm an entrepreneur, coach, and creative business consultant, yoga teacher, and former lawyer. I'm on a mission to humanize how we live and do business. Each week, I share inspiring thoughts and intimate conversations with curious humans, creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. Who shared their perspectives on what it means to be human. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and if you like what you're hearing give the podcast a rating and review. It really helps the podcast grow and I would so appreciate it. And now here we go. My guest today is Salome Samuel. Salome is a certified trauma-informed financial and life coach who is on a mission to help people realize that anyone can be good with money. She is also a photographer and DJ and going through this work realized how much money stress can interrupt your creative flow. In this episode, Salome and I talk about why our society glorifies overworking and why rest is resistance. We also talk about how our upbringing affects the beliefs we have around money and how we can shift our money stories and create abundance in our lives. Hi, Salome. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Before we begin, how do we know each other? We
1: know each other because we were students in Elementum Coaching Institute all of last year.
0: That's true. And I remember us connecting. It's like, yes, I'm confirming your experience. But I remember um, <laughs> us connecting because of we had like a Facebook chat, right? And uh, we connected around money, actually, because you were posting um, an introduction. I think it was about yourself and that you worked in finance. And um, and I was like, cool. So we like messaged a couple of times, like trying to coordinate some conversation about that. And here we are having a different kind of conversation. But, you know, a- <laughs> yeah, i a year later. <laughs> yeah, true. So true. Amazing. I would love to hear a little bit about what it means for you to be human. And I would love for you to speak on what it means for you to be human today. So what kind of, what is the humanness that you're bringing to this moment right now? Oh my gosh, I feel like what it means to be
1: human to me is, how do I say this? I guess it's to be flawed. Like I want there to be a of ni- maybe like a nicer more positive way to say that but authentic i guess is the word that i was looking for um i think it is to be authentic and i think that's the humanness that i bring today i was sharing just before we started recording that i've been sneezing all morning having crazy allergies and you know i would love to pretend that like i'm constantly polished and and perfect and always on my game but that's not realistic and and i think that's the energy that i that i try to bring to to coaching as well. it's like i'm not better than you, i'm just like a person that's thought about these things but i i make mistakes and have challenges just like anyone else.
0: yes. so so true and i i love this part of like bringing the it sounds like there's like some self-compassion in that as well, right? you're not saying like uh i wish i was different and you're beating yourself up. you're saying it with a, with a sense of um and that's okay yeah
1: I think that's what it means today I think that has not always been the case for me for sure um but yeah for now I think it's like yeah how do I accept what's here and just and just work with it because all of the parts of me are worthy
0: and valid. Mm. mic drop let's sign off that's it end of the conversation (laughs) (laughs) that's all we need to remember every day Amazing, you yeah i would love for us to talk about the idea of rest and doing nothing i recently posted something on uh, my instagram stories asking people for book recommendations and you were the one who sent me a couple really good ones one was rest is Resistance," and the other one was how to do nothing and i've been like reading in both books like kind of like parallelly. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with this topic and this idea of resisting the, you know, what's called one of the books, um, attention economy. And I would love to know how you got into reading those books. Like, what prompted it? Where were you that made like that made you want to read this kind of information?
1: Okay, um, I think they sort of fell into my sphere. I have a friend who has a project called activation residency which is like an upstate retreat residency for for artists and that's where I first encountered um Trisha the author of rest is resistance because she was leading a workshop there and I think at that moment in my life this was maybe like 2018 2019 I can't remember I don't think I really understood like what that meant because I was definitely living my life completely opposite to that um and and i think it didn't really fully land for me until the pandemic when a friend had also gifted me how to do nothing it's like a birthday present i actually can see it on my shelf right now um and i had this time to really slow down and reflect on how i had been living before and i was just burning out like i was working full time i was freelancing on like the weekend. at night just through which we can go into and it wasn't until i was sort of forced to slow down and sit in my house that i i noticed how like uncomfortable and challenging that was and how many ideas i had wrapped up in like what it means to be productive and like accomplished and worthy and it's not to say that like i don't still have that programming because i one thousand percent do um But I think it came to me out of urgency because I was in this place where, and I've been in this place in multiple points of my life where I was starting to get like physically sick from, you know, overextending myself or just constantly feeling really stressed and sleeping badly because of anxiety. Um, And yeah, there's probably like many more layers to examine in that, which could be like a whole, a whole therapy session for me. But I think I came to it out of, yeah, out of necessity, and it's it's something that I'm still working on and, and trying to understand deeper, like how to personally embody those things.
0: Amazing. What was well, like one lesson that you took, maybe just from the book, like how to do nothing, or from either of the books, like one lesson, even if you're still walking towards it, right? Like we always are. So maybe there's one thing you can share, or two that really landed for you, or keep landing. Well, I mean, it's been
1: a few years since I've read both, so I can't, I don't have, like, super clear examples, but I think, I think the ideas that I'm personally still working through are that, yeah, that I'm, I'm worthy even if I'm not being productive, like, my worth is not tied up in my productivity, um, and, and or, like, achievements or accomplishments I know that those are related often but I think sometimes I can both be keeping myself busy just to do stuff and then there's also the sense of like if I haven't hit whatever arbitrary goal I've set in my mind like it doesn't count like and I still I notice myself doing that still now where I'll have like a day full of doing things but because i've decided that they weren't the right things or it wasn't the right level of accomplishment i sort of just like erase it all and think that it doesn't count which is not helpful but i think the gift right is like the awareness of me seeing it and being like wait a second like what are we what are we talking about here like this we're constantly meaning me and like who knows like my inner child all my parts that are constantly (laughs) trying to um trying to chase this goal of perfection that's like torturous and doesn't exist and it's just so easy to fall into that trap because i think that society rewards it i think that you know i learned some things from my family of origin um and it's like yeah it's really deep patterning to shake off and so to go back to like the humanness i think it's like how to approach this with compassion because it's so easy to just be like oh I'm doing the thing again like I'm just keeping myself busy like why can't I stop doing this instead of just recognizing that it's literally a practice that you get to work on every day
0: yeah and like you said before as well right it's programming that is also societal yes it's what our families teach us same with money right and we'll get into that but it's like what the lessons that we keep hearing from our parents from our siblings and from people in school but it's it's really like even bigger with this in particular, like, because everybody has it. I haven't met a single person that, you know, lives uh, as part of society and hasn't decided to, you know, live in the jungle that doesn't have that, that doesn't feel like they have to be productive, whatever that means. Right. And it's, it's this idea of, is it mine or is it somebody else's or is it like something collective as well, right? Yes, because we all have a part in it, but then at the same time we're living in it, right? Like this the idea, the way our systems are set up, it they want us to feel like we have to be productive to be worthy. So it's very hard to work on that while being subjected To all those messages that I hear every day, you know? So, yeah, 100%. And, you know, there's
1: so many parallels to money, but I think if we're just still talking about the productivity thing, I think a thing that, you know, I think about a lot, especially after like, you know, working as a coach, doing lots of training, is that there are so many, you know, let's call them unhelpful. Coping mechanisms that people use to handle their pain, their trauma, et cetera, and overworking and overextending themselves are ones that people don't necessarily recognize as being like essentially addictions. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we can understand if someone is like addicted to drugs or alcohol and it's like causing them problems in their lives and they're not able to show up at work, but we also don't see the like overachieving, overextending at work as a bad thing. Like people are like, wow, that's great. Like she's such a hard worker look at all she's accomplished. Like she's a boss. She's got like seven kids and a company and she's like volunteering, like amazing. Instead of being like, wait, maybe that person actually like really needs help. And, you know, it comes up with money so much too, because like, I think when people think of that, when people come to me or at least in my life or in coaching, like thinking of themselves as having like problems with money or like they need help with money, it's usually because like they feel like they don't have enough and like they can't figure out how to make the money from what they want to do but there are so many scenarios in which people are maybe getting that money and getting that validation and constantly seeking it and pushing and pushing and pushing and people don't necessarily see that as a problem because that's just not what society has trained us to believe like i think there's this idea that at least in america for sure is super pervasive that like if you're rich and like successful like you must be happy (laughs) and often it's like usually you're going after those things because you're not happy (laughs) so i think that sometimes people can't it's it's hard to understand that it's like the same problem just presenting in different ways whether you're like struggling to pay your bills because who knows you have like an online shopping addiction versus like constantly building like company after company after company and constantly trying to be a billionaire like it sort of is coming from should be coming from the same place
0: but yeah yeah, it's so interesting this connection to worth right self worth and while, while I was going to the bookstore to pick up the book that uh, the, the books that you recommended I found a different one it's called burnout and um, it's specifically for women and talking about exactly that that women especially derive a lot of their value from giving to others and taking care of other people's needs and that that is causing a lot of stress for women in particular Uh, and i think that's so interesting that you know money productivity it it all and so many other things it all comes back to self-worth and it's Probably, I mean, on, on some levels, we all have that, right? Like every human has some self-worth situation going on. But for me, it's also interesting to see that like female perspective. And I would love to know from your experience and the people that are in your space and that come to you for coaching, do you notice a difference in particular for women in that conversation? Well, I'm pretty, I
1: pretty much work exclusively with women so i can't say that i understand the male perspective on this and i'm i mean i'm sure that men have challenges with this as well but i do think that women were particularly socially conditioned to have really porous boundaries constantly put other people before ourselves like overextend whether it's in terms of like time money or energies so That is for sure a thing that comes up with my clients all the time. But it's always just, it's different because everyone's different. You know, for some people, it's with their job. For some people, it's with their family, like their, you know, parents or siblings. For some people, it's with their children or their partner. Um, And then a lot of times, you know, it can also be with yourself. And I think that, you know, there's a, I think about boundaries all the time because I think there's, I mean, they're so related and everywhere in your life. Life, but it comes up a lot with money. And I think that, yeah, self worth is a big part of it. But I also think that self trust is like a a huge thing that shows up in boundaries. And especially with money, is that people, especially women, don't tend to kind of like feel confident or trust themselves to make certain decisions with money, to believe that they could be good at money, to like stick with the budget or like, you know, whatever it might be, or even to handle it. You know, I think there still is this idea in so many like heterosexual partnerships where it's like well the man is the one who's like going to be in charge of the money just for some arbitrary reason and i think a lot of women think that like they can't even touch that because it's
0: like too complicated explain to me the self trust thing like what do you mean with that like what in particular is it where women don't trust themselves with money um
1: i think it's really different for every person i think there's a lot of societal messages about men handling money you know in the u.s there's all this information about how women couldn't even get their own credit cards until like the 70s like crazy stuff um so i think there's there's this narrative that like it's a masculine thing it's hard i think you know p- probably some of that is so that we feel like we need to pay financial advisors etc like investing is complicated but um but then i think that there's a lot of stuff about money that i think goes unsaid like people think that it's this really logical thing that only exists in your head and that emotion shouldn't have anything to do with it so i think that a lot of women at least the ones i talk to when they find themselves making purchases that feel more like emotional or impulsive or quote-unquote irresponsible which mostly means like stuff that they want for themselves like they can see that as being bad with money which then just goes back into all of the other conditioning that that we were talking about before
0: Wow. And how does, you also mentioned boundaries. How do like boundaries come up in this?
1: So I think boundaries is like a really expansive topic that honestly we could go on about for hours and hours. But for me, it's like, and how I talk about it with clients is like, you know, how do we set some guardrails in place to keep you on track for your goals? And that could be like How much money are you willing to give to your family? How much time are you willing to give to your family? The same could go for like your business, your relationship, et cetera, et cetera. And then also like with yourself, like if you are saying that you are going to do something, like let me think of a real example. Like let's say I want to spend less money on transportation because I have this goal to travel for a year continuously or something so in the present day it means that i need to take public transportation versus like a taxi and so the boundary for me is like okay i'm going to try to take public transportation as much as i can and then in those moments when i you know might break that to myself it it can be a little bit like breaking trust to yourself because it's sort of like you then don't trust yourself to be able to like achieve the goal um and of course like this also gets to be built to be um realistic it's not like the ideal world that i want to say but like something you can actually achieve not like you're setting yourself up for the perfectionistic standards that we were talking about before and sort of dooming yourself to fail but it's, like, the balance of, like, what's what's reasonable for you? What can you actually achieve? How do you sort of hold that line to preserve the things that you really care about?
0: Cool. I feel like it's probably helpful, like, to, like, back it up. You are already, like, in the money topic a little bit. And it's probably, like, helpful to, like, take a step back and give people a little bit of context. And for that, I would love for you to speak on what made you get into money, like, um, you know, like, I mean, obviously, like, that's what you support uh, women uh, or people with in uh, in life, like, a- as, as a coach, right? Um, but, like, how did this come about? Like, how did Salome get into this whole money situation? Yeah, totally. So it's really
1: funny because I think now people, like, associate me with this and think of me as, like, a money expert or something, you know, like, quote, unquote. Um, but I actually got into this because my own money situation was such a disaster. Like I was a person who thought that I was bad with money forever. Like I hadn't learned anything. Like they don't teach you anything in school. I hadn't really learned anything from my family. I just kind of felt like I was spending the money that I had. I didn't really have a plan. Um, and then, you know, my sort of like rock bottom moment, so to speak, was when I graduated with a bunch of student debt because you know i live in the us and our systems are not ideal and then i got a crazy tax bill which is another long story Um, and i just realized that like i really had to do something because i was sitting with almost like a hundred thousand dollars in debt and i was like i don't understand how i can handle this because i feel like i'm barely managing my living expenses let alone this like astronomical figure and so it was through, you know, doing my own work of like learning how to budget, examining where my money actually was going, that I learned a lot. And then I started to share that information with other people. And I had been under this, I now know, false assumption that everybody else had it figured out except for me. And it was like just me, just because like I didn't grow up with money, I assumed that like, people who grew up with money or people whose parents paid for college or people who had jobs that paid more than mine I was like they've all got it but then once I started being more vocal about my stuff people started talking to me and I started to realize that like this was actually like a super widespread problem and it happens so much for women I think maybe because there's so much shame around money that like a woman only feel might only feel comfortable coming to another woman to talk about it because I think the personal finance space this is definitely changing but like can be very very broy, very like straight white man and so if you like don't see yourself in that i think there's a lot of it's it's just a space that can make people feel bad and i know that it has made me feel bad at times as well so i can relate to that you know because i think there's so much narrative around what you like should be doing like you shouldn't be spending on like lattes or avocado toast you should be investing you should be like negotiating x y and z and so if you're unable to do that for whatever reason, like you just kind of end up feeling like a failure. Um, And then I also noticed like in my own life, which I can obviously see even more clearly with years of distance now, that I had sort of tapped out like on all of my creative energy in my life because I was just spending so much time and energy making money. And I'm a person who like went to school for visual art. Like I was working in a creative field. Like this is something that was so important to me. But I realized that like all of my creative energy was going towards things that I needed to monetize because I needed the money to like handle this stuff. And then there was nothing left over for me. Like there was no space for pleasure. There was no space for creativity. There was no clear path forward in which I can imagine a future that I could be both like creative and relaxed at the same time. Which is like so depressing. But I also saw that for so many people around me, whether they were trying to be, you know, full-time musicians or artists or et cetera, like people were struggling because they hadn't been able to figure out like what do I actually charge? Like, what is my time worth? How do I manage all of these things? How do I deal with student loans? Et cetera, et cetera. And so I just started to realize that there was such a need for this because otherwise, like there was so much. Incredible work that was going to like not be made because these people weren't going to be able to do it. Um, There were lives that were not even going to be able to be lived to the fullest. Speaking of rest, because you know, rest, even though it shouldn't be considered a luxury, like it often is because you need to have the money to sustain yourself. And so it's like when you start to think on that higher level of like, okay, well, who gets to create? Like whose voice gets to be heard? Who gets to rest? like I started to realize that a lot of it came down to money. And of course, there's like deeper layers of, of self-worth and all this stuff. But I feel like money for me was a really concrete entry point to get people to start looking at these things.
0: Yeah, and it's so true as well, With especially when we go back to rest, because we need the space, we need the time away from our devices, from consuming information, you know, um, scrolling Instagram we need the time away to have ideas like have original ideas to be creative and um so it's like so fascinating how everything is connected what did you what like which steps did you take initially
1: Hmm. I mean it was a really long journey which is also part of why I do this work is to to save people (laughs) the time that I didn't save myself but I started very much on the like practical, logical side of things. Like I started tracking where my money actually was going. I learned how to make a budget. I asked for a raise at my job. Um, Those are probably the very first steps. I think it took a lot longer to realize that there were like, there was deeper emotional programming. There was deeper like generational stuff to look at for me. But, you know, I started on that surface level, which I think can feel probably also because you know my some of my patterns are like wanting to feel in control and so you know like a budget a spreadsheet is like a great way to feel that but there's there's certainly much more to go beyond that but i think if you don't even know where your money is going then you know there's not a ton that you can do to shift anything
0: yeah i love that like we talked about that in an elementum like that that there's the being and the doing like there's the kind of like how you are with money like your beingness the energy your mindset etc and then there's a doing which is more of the practical stuff right uh, the the budget the you know plan to pay off your debt all that sort of stuff and and it's both is like relevant and i feel like i mean you know side note but this is for everything in life you know there's always the practical and the the energetic and yeah like, yeah you know like the the being of it so yeah
1: yeah and i think that's where a lot of personal finance education like falls short which is like you know that's just like what we've had to date is like they're like it's just the facts and if you just like follow the steps like here's how you get to success and honestly that's how i started coaching people i was like oh i'll just like teach them how to use the tools and like there will be no problems like (laughs) everyone the problem is that people just don't have the knowledge right But then the more that I started to work with people, the more that I was like, oh, it's actually just like emotional stuff and trauma that gets in the way. And for a lot of people, it's actually so overwhelming. And I know this is true for me. Like it took me months and months to even face tracking my spending when I knew that I had to do it because I had so much shame about like what I was going to find. And so when I work with clients now, that's like something we don't do until at least like halfway through like working together, which is you know maybe like a month, a month and a half in because we have to talk about like yeah what are all the emotional layers like what triggers your overwhelm what triggers your avoidance before we can even start to look at that because people see it as such a scary thing so i think that i'm not like recommending that anyone starts like the way that i started because because i just don't know that it's like the most holistic and compassionate way like i think it was really hard for me um And challenging to do it that way so like the way that I start with people now is you know I start to examine what are their beliefs about money that they might not be aware of which usually shows up as like what people think is like the right thing to do or what they think they should be doing or what they heard their parents saying because I think that's actually the most important part because like yeah you can make a budget all you want but you're not gonna stick to it if you if you believe that like having money would make you evil like there's no way that like you're gonna want to then accumulate money even if that's so subtle that you don't notice it um yeah so there's there's just a lot there's a lot that goes into this and I feel like money is just the tip of the iceberg but it is like you said it's just like everything else you could talk about like sexuality or body image or parenting like and it all comes down to like the same core but i think money people think of think it should be different because it like involves numbers so it should be more straightforward but in fact it's actually like way more complicated because it's literally tied to our survival
0: yeah i read this book the psychology of money you probably are familiar with it and like one of the first like things that the author set straight is that most of the people that are really wealthy are not people who grew up like percentage wise. I don't know the percentages because I usually don't care about percentages, but um, well, like the, you know, all the nitty gritty facts. But it's, you know, it's like that it's really like how you are with it. And it's not necessarily, uh, yeah, just the people who grew up with it and they, you know, just happen to know it's also you know, somebody who saved a little amount but for over a long course of time, you know, and it, so, like, it, it's very interesting, uh, this this whole conversation, and um, let's stay on the, on that, like, mindset stuff for, uh, for a bit, and I would even, like, encourage the people who are listening, if you can, like, pause the recording and just write down money is and see what word comes, right? Like, I feel like that's an easy way to start. Money yeah. is, what association do you have? And, um, like, Let's let's go a little bit deeper there. So, what are some of the just some examples? Because I feel like sometimes it's hard to notice even within ourselves. And it's, if somebody tells you know I have this association with money, then you're like, yeah, I have that too, right? But we're so when we're so deep in our own stuff, like we don't even notice. So, give us some examples of like limiting beliefs or idea stories that people have around money. Oh my
1: gosh, there's. So many I think that I think that really common ones are like rich people are evil, rich people are greedy um I think another one that's super common is like I have to work hard for money um I think a really specific one <laughs> to me that I have noticed this year is that how do I explain it succinctly is like I think this is also really common for women. The idea that, like, if someone gives you something or pays for something, that you owe them something in return. And not even always just, like, in a romantic context. It's sort of, like, a discomfort around receiving. Um, And there's so many more. Um, I think the flip side of, like, rich people are evil can be, like, it's noble to be poor because, like, because I think there's an idea, especially especially with a lot of industries where women are more predominant, like service-based industries, helping industries, like where people think it's wrong to sort of like charge a certain amount to like help people because you should be wanting to like do that for free because that's what makes you a good person, right? So I think that there's a way that like we can put these sort of false ceilings on ourselves of what we believe that we can achieve. And, and I think... I don't know if it's, the, yeah, I think I had a version of that as well, where like I had a full-time job where it sort of had, when I had my money awakening and at some level, at some point it was my dream job. And I was like, wow, I'm just like so lucky. It's so crazy that I even get paid to like do this creative thing. Like this is just a thing that I like doing, insane. But then once I hit this awakening, I was like, oh, but it's actually not enough money for me to survive and to hit my goals. But my brain, instead of being like, I could just get a job that would pay me more was like, oh, I just have to fill in all the cracks with all of this side work because there's no way that like I could even have like these creative skills could even be worthy of like the money that I need to survive. So there's a way that I think we just we just take what we're given <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because we haven't seen examples of it. So that's not like a super clear. I mean, I guess my limiting belief there is, like, you can't make money doing creative things. Um, And I think that's not an uncommon one for a lot of people. But there's there's so many more levels of this. And, you know, there's also things where, like, I am only worthy if I have money, right? Which goes back to the, like, overachieving success, you know, probably explains a lot of, like, billionaires, you know, like... Because they don't like actually need that money, right? So it's like, what is the motivation? And there's probably something about like what is it how does it make them feel? What does it mean about them or what do they think it means about them if they achieve that?
0: Yeah. And often the, the chasing of it as well, right? Because then once you've achieved whatever goal you set yourself, then there's the next goal. So it you know, it's like never ending and it's never enough, you know? And then enough, like I mean, that's such a potent word, uh, in terms of the self as well, like do i yeah
1: Um, yeah i think that's and that goes back to like what i think this is shifting but like what i do also find challenging about some personal finance stuff because i do think there can be this narrative of like well this person only made like fifty thousand dollars a year and now they're a millionaire so like you could do it too and it's like okay sure like there are the mechanics of how to get there but like is that person actually living a life that like is pleasurable and inspiring and exciting to them like and so that's what I focus on myself but also with my clients is like what are actually your values and are you living a life that's in alignment with your values because that's the most important thing because the goals are not the goals are not the goals right like the destination is not the goal it's the journey like if it's going to feel miserable the entire time that you're like scrimping and saving to be able to retire at like age 40 then like what is the point because then you're just going to get there and be like what is my entire life right Mm -hmm. so I think the question is like how do we find sort of like purpose and pleasure in the journey just not to say that like every money thing you're going to do is going to be delightful because there are like compromises and sacrifices that get to happen but like do they feel right you know and so back to my example of my imaginary boundary example it's like yeah, maybe like I do really want to take a year off and travel around the world. And that is so delicious and so enticing to me that like, yeah, giving up an Uber every once in a while is like okay, you know? But it's like I think that I I know for sure that I fell into the trap of stealing love. like I just needed to like get there faster. I needed to pay off my debt. I needed to sacrifice and deprive myself. But then that would just caused me to go into spirals of like overspending because I felt so restricted in that space so I think it's like you know a lot of people make parallels to dieting which is like you know we can talk about that I don't think it's like the best but I think it's something that people can clearly understand that it's like you want to figure out something that's going to be like sustainable for you over time you you don't want to just like have like a crash diet so to speak with your money to get to the goal because the goal isn't actually going to make you happy it's like you have to figure out what actually makes you happy in life, like along the way.
0: Mm. I mean, it always comes down to that. And it's so, I mean, it's so easy and so challenging at the same time, right? Because like, I just, this has happened to me a couple of days ago. I I was meeting with um, a woman I met at uh, a networking event here in Berlin. And we were like going for dinner. And she just kind of told me a little bit more about herself. Like, and automatically I had a couple of questions around like, But which one did you prefer? Did you prefer this sort of like setup of your life? Or did you prefer that sort of setup of your life? The simplest question, because I think about it just comes to mind for me. Right. So in deciding like how to move forward and and where to position herself with her business and all the things, obviously that's a super important question. Like, um, and I think it was around like working one-on-one and working with groups. Right. And for her, I don't think anybody had asked her that question. You know, like, it, and I think it was, like, so helpful for her to think about it. Again, it's such a simple question, like, which setup did you enjoy more? And then that should inform your decision. But so often we don't ask ourselves that, right? Like, and for me, I think that this is, I just, like, taught my brain to, like, think that way. I always wonder, like, what works better for me, like, for how I want to live my life, right? And this it doesn't need to be the same for you. Like, you could be, like you know like maybe we stay like with the with the uber right you could be like yo I, I need to take an uber because the train like i get so stressed with like all the people and it's always full and uh, so taking an uber actually is worth it for me um to make that investment because when i get to my meeting i i'm able to be a lot more present right and i could say you know what i actually need to ride my bike because i either way i need the fresh air or for me i feel better most able to be present and uh you know in kind of like my body and and in my joy and in my pleasure when I can walk somewhere I mean this is like a random example but that's kind of like the level of where I like to get to you know and I I just did this fellowship in Spain and I did I spend an entire coaching session uh with a coach that I work with once I got there, I said, you know, like, I want to make use of this time. Like, I want to be able to just be present as part of this program and the programming that is provided. But I also want to take time to, like, walk on my own kind of, like, business questions and stuff. So we, like, thought about, like, where would I place my desk? Like, where in the space that we had I would want to sit? And um, how much time each day would feel good for me in terms of I feeling like I have worked on my business, Right. And like that's like how nitty gritty and then I was like going through the entire building was like oh there's this one spot in front of a big window and the next day I, that's where I placed a desk and that's where I was always sitting right. And then I realized you know what um, actually like two hours a day of working on you know some kind of like goal or some task I want to complete for my business that's enough for me. And even on a day that is completely open if I did two hours I'm good. And if there's like programming on a day, like we're going somewhere to visit a local business or we have like a kind of like community event and the day is full, two hours, we don't need them. Right. So because the day is already too full and it's those are simple things like you don't need any money for that, you, you know, but to ask ourselves even on that, like kind of like miniature level, like what works for us and what doesn't like it, it, may, it makes all the difference.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's a thing that so many women, I think, have not really been given the space to consider. Like, what do you even desire? What do you even want? Because I think that so much of our social conditioning is about the shoulds. And it's like pleasing your parents and pleasing your family and pleasing your teachers and then pleasing your partners. And I think a lot of people wake up you know, and they're just like, wait, what do I actually want? Like, how did I get to these places? I just sort of followed the path that somebody else had laid out for me. So even though those things are really simple and free, like they can be so hard for people. And I think that that's why a lot of people can benefit from working with a coach because I find that sometimes I ask people those kinds of questions of like what do you even want you know like people will say like oh I want to be able to retire at this age or I want to make this amount of money and I'm like okay but why like yeah why like what does that get you like where do you go after that you know and people don't always have the answer and that's fine but you know it's like how do we sit in that space of of exploration and creativity and openness and and also to what you were saying it's like these things also get to be completely unique to you and they also get to be negotiable. Like it could just be for a season that like I'm going to decide that I'm taking the Ubers and then next year I probably will have like a totally different goal, a totally different totally different life alignment. And so, but yeah, I think it takes a lot of presence, introspection, compassion, vulnerability to really sit with yourself at any given moment and think about like, what do I want? Like, what do I even want to do? I think that for a lot of people, because I thought that, like, I always thought that I was, like, a super decisive person, and I think I am in some ways, but sometimes it can be really challenging to be, like, well, my friend invited me to do this thing. Like, do I actually want to go, or do I just feel like I have to go? Like, do I have the energy? Did I want to go when I agreed to, but now I don't want to go today? And, like, can that be okay? Um, And I think sometimes even starting really small with, like, what do I want to eat? Like, what do I want to order at this restaurant? Like now that I'm eating it, how am I feeling about it? Do I want to finish this thing or do I want to just like put it aside? You know, and these seem like really trivial, small questions, but it's like these are actually the building blocks for like how you learn to really trust yourself and feel confident in your choices because You can't just start out with like, oh, should I move to this country or should I marry this person? Like, those are so hard. (laughs) You have to like break it down to to the smaller pieces. But yeah, it's a constant
0: practice. Mm. How do you make those decisions? I think that's like a helpful thing to speak on. Like when, you know, when there is an opportunity, somebody asks you to go to an event or to dinner um, and you're like, wait, do I actually want to go? Like, do you have a process? I do. It definitely needs not means
1: but it's getting more fine-tuned over time or like I'm also gathering data from noticing the patterns <laughs> um for me it's usually like literally like a feeling in my gut like a somatic sensation like a sinking feeling of if I don't want to go uh sometimes it can be hard to tune in for that if there's a lot of like mental reasons um I heard someone say once that, I might, I'm probably bastardizing this. And so don't quote me. And it could also just like not be what they said. <laughs> but this idea that like, if you're thinking through it, and sort of coming up with a pro con list, like that's that's not like a clear yes. And like the clear yes should be like immediate. And I know everyone like responds to things differently. But this is just like how I've noticed for myself. And then, and then sometimes I I also will like gather data of like, okay, so like, I went to the thing and then like, did that feel like the right thing? Like, did it go well? Or like, did someone ask me like, oh, do you want to go to this concert in like two months? Like, I find that I'll be like, yeah. And then it like comes to the day and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I didn't really think about like all the other things, like how I would schedule my day. So I'm certainly not an expert at this and I'm learning that I constantly get to renegotiate. But for me, it's it starts with like really tuning into my body by intuition and thinking about like why I want to do the thing. Like, is it really for me? Is it for the other person? Is it because I feel like I should? Because sometimes there's things that, yeah, are like ostensibly good for me, like doing yoga, right? Like I had this moment last week where I was like, I should really do yoga. Like I should do yoga. And then I was like, what is this like should? Like I've just set up like doing yoga as this like, punishment or this like homework that I like have to do or else I'm what like a bad person of like off of my fitness goals I'm not that mindful instead I was just like okay so like I'm going to do yoga and I'm gonna just be present with whatever shows up like sometimes it might be hard sometimes I might get a little bit bored sometimes I might be over it but like wouldn't it just be more fun to bring that energy so I think there's so many layers to all of this is like yeah why am i choosing to do the thing and then like also how am i going to show up it's kind of like the doing and the being that we were talking about because there's a way in which like you don't actually have to change any of the things that you're doing but if you change how you're approaching it like your entire life could be different mm.
0: yeah you know what i do i i often um when i notice oh my god like there's all the arguments in my head and it's like oh, this way this way I take a moment. This is like one of my regulation resources. I uh, to regulate my nervous system. I lay on the floor. So and like usually when I lay on the floor, like the it, it takes a, a little bit, but then I get like that a sensation or that clarity as well, like what you were talking about. And for me, it's like connected to like laying on the floor. It, it's really um, and I feel like we we all can kind of find these ways. You know, maybe somebody who has to step outside and feel the sun too get clarity yeah yeah there's another thing i really want to know um because you mentioned this thing that uh this like idea that i cannot be creative and make money and you said it's a very common thing i know it and i would love for you to share um if you're okay with it where are you with that like where where are you yeah where are you with that and like is there any insight you can share for somebody who is struggling with this idea I cannot be creative and and make money
1: yeah okay well I'm definitely still in the journey and I also want to say that like I the way that I interpreted this was like the only way that I can be creative and make money is if I'm working in a semi-corporate structure like I'm working for a brand or I'm doing etc right and after doing that For so long I also found that I had really warped like my relationship with my own creativity and I started to resent it because I associated so many things that I used to like doing with like having to do them for work for people that I didn't like right so for me there was a really long like healing process I guess you could say for that Um, and now I'm in a much more expansive place I won't say that I'm like All the way back to where I felt like my most purest level of creativity which maybe was like in university but I think I'm realizing well first of all I think that everybody is creative that so many things that we don't consider creative can also be creative you know I was listening to a podcast with Rick Rubin the other day and he was talking about how like just deciding to take a different path home from work is like a creative choice and like deciding to like cook something like how you're going to cook something is that and so for me it's like how do I I'm in the place where I'm like how do I pull together all of these like spaces where I get to use my creativity and some of them get to come into my coaching business because I think coaching is also a creative act Um, and then what do I want the rest of it to look like outside of that you know so I'm not saying that I'm in any perfect place because i'm not yet at the point at which i'm like i do whatever i want and like all of the money just flows to me but i think it's tuning into like what feels right and what feels in line with my values and then how do i then sort of like trust that direction and go in that direction that feels really vague but i think i'm in a space where it's starting to heal and i'm starting to feel like i'm getting directed into the places where that can be true, where like being creative can lead me to making money in a way that also doesn't feel like I'm selling out on myself.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I would love to hear as well, because we were talking a lot about like what we actually desire and how we want to live our lives. Um, Is there anything that you want to put on the record around like a desire that you have or, or a big dream or goal?
1: Oh my gosh. I think that, well, first I want to acknowledge how how much I have done to get to this point and how in so many ways I am living so many of my dreams. Um, I think for me, it's just a lot of it comes around like ease and pleasure. Like my goals are like, I want to be enjoying myself as much as possible and I want to feel relaxed i don't ever want to feel rushed i don't ever want to feel like i'm doing something that i really don't want to do like there's always some stuff that you kind of have to do like i don't want to i'm not gonna love doing my taxes but how can i like appreciate that like you know it pays for the roads or whatever or that like i get to pay my accountant and like she has a job you know like there's there's really small things um yeah, I think because I think for so long I was caught in the trap of like, well, I'll never be happy until I pay off my debt or I'll never be happy until I work for myself or I'll never be happy until I find the partner, or get the dog or have the apartment, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like just such a recipe for suffering. And I was actually just thinking about this yesterday because some friends of mine, and I tried to go to the beach and I was like, wow, I haven't really like properly gone to the beach and swimming yet. Well, this year in America, I haven't in Mexico, but um we were on our way there and literally like the moment we set foot on the beach it just started pouring and like we ended up having to like huddle behind this apartment building we were just like eating our sacks on the ground and there was a way in which i could have been like well i really sucked like so terrible like i didn't get to do the thing that i wanted to do but i was reflecting back on it and i was like but i actually had like a lot of fun it was really hilarious i used my beach umbrella as like a rain umbrella like <laughs> I ate this I ate this burrito and we just like laughed and then we just rerouted right so I think for me yeah my big goals are just like pleasure and ease like sure there's a lot of things that I would love that money is probably required for like a beach house in Mexico or like various homes around the world that people could visit me in but I when I really tune into it I'm just like oh time to like Cook myself a really nourishing meal with like delicious produce is also like such so high on my list. Like that's just as pleasurable as having like a super fancy trip sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I I hear you on the it's kind of like the simple things, right, to kind of like live in appreciation and awareness of the simple things. And maybe like to come back to what we were talking about in the very beginning to put our attention on those things, right? To not put our attention on the things that are asking for our attention all the time, like our devices and, you know, advertisements and all that stuff, but to put our attention on the the simple things that are the things that actually feel pleasurable and joyful. And um, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for being a guest. I, I love talking to you.
1: Yeah, thank you. I feel like there's there's so much to think about here because because as we talked about, like all of these things are so connected. It's like self-worth and productivity and rest and gender and money. Um, So, yeah, it's beautiful to just come back to like, yeah, what do we actually desire and like mm-hmm. how do we want to be living our lives? Because I think that's the most important questions that we could be asking
0: ourselves. Yeah, and the starting point always, right? Even when it is about the relationship with money or the relationship with time and attention and presence, like to what end, you know? Um, So, yes, I love it. Thank you so much, Me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Human at Heart. You can sign up to be part of my community at SophiaOnEarth.com. And follow me on Instagram at Sophia on Earth. Until next time, stay human.